I am so invested in this internship program. It's going to be Wednesday, so uh, if you remember on Wednesday mornings to pray for our interns, please do that. Uh, Wednesday evenings, uh, pray for our interns, please do that. And some of you are going to get a tap on the shoulder just to come and share some of your life, your experience uh, with our interns as we seek together to grow in this kingdom of God. Uh, we're all in it together and I think that that is truly awesome. The fact that there are some identified people that we call interns doesn't mean they're the only ones on mission, right? We're all on mission, true? And, uh, but we do want to pray for the learning, uh, for the, the God-appointed opportunities that will come uh, for them, for us. I found a story this week about a coal miner who'd become a Christian. This was happening during the Welsh Revival. And after he became a Christian, he was pretty excited, so much so that he shouted praises kind of all the time all day and apparently that became a bit annoying at least for one probably for many and uh this guy says mate why don't you bring it down a bit you're just too happy and the coal miner said well i don't even want to try i just feel happy all the time I lift one leg up, when I put it down it says hallelujah. I lift another leg up, when I put it down it says praise the Lord. So all day I'm walking around going hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And uh, mate, what if you're wrong? What about you die and you find out that you're not going to heaven and you finish up in hell. And the coal miner's response was, well, praise God, ever since I've become a Christian, my life has changed, I've been happy, I gave my life to God, if I die and I go down to hell, then I'll be thankful for all the time that I've had to be joyful while I've been here on this earth. I'll shout that all over hell. If that's where I finish up, I'll be shouting, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they'll get so sick of that, they'll throw me out of hell and I'll be in heaven anyway. <laughs> so it was a pretty cool story. I do want to say that emotions play a major part in the way we feel. I'm a pretty conservative dude, so when I read that story, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to cope if I do meet someone who's going around, hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But the check in my spirit was, I should be so excited that that is just normal. When we've come to know the peace and the contentment and the everlasting life that Jesus Christ went to the cross for, I should be that excited all the time. The King James Version there says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Our emotions cause us to sweat, to cry, to become scared, 
Sometimes it leads to outright fear, red with embarrassment, purple with anger, green with nausea. Our emotions do affect us physically. And I guess spiritually, and I think wise old Solomon was right. If you're joyful in your heart, then it's good medicine. But if you're not joyful, if your spirit's broken, then it dries up your bones. And maybe it's possible you do become that person who's old and tired and we can become that person that no one wants to be around. Think about it. Who are the people to whom you are attracted? You know, is it the grumpy who walks around with a frown on the face? The person who sees all the bad stuff in life, always sees the negative first, convinced that everything's going downhill, the glass half empty kind of person. Think about it. Is this the one you want to spend your time with? And I don't think so. <laughs> I think I'm speaking for myself, but then for the thousands of people that I've probably been in this context with and heard from them, uh, sometimes it just makes us feel better when we're with someone who is glass half full. Sometimes it just changes the mood when someone brings us the positive perspective. We're more attracted to the person who has a smile on their face and joy in their heart. I wonder, is that true for you? It's definitely true for me. I believe we should always choose joy. And I do want to be clear, because sometimes we want to go around with that frown, because that's how we feel. I'm not dodging that ball, right? I know that's true. The stuff of life sometimes drains us. Things are often hard and, you know, some people say too hard. Well, I'm not sure about that, but sometimes things are just genuinely hard. And that's how it feels some days. I'm pretty sure that happens to all of us at least sometimes. But why should my heart be filled with joy? And that's where I want to anchor things here this morning. Why should we choose joy? And I've got three reasons. I think there's a million or more, but I just got three. That our heart should choose and then we should live like we believe these things are true and the choice that we've made is making that difference in our life. That's going to make a world of difference to how we feel as well. So we are so, so loved. That's my first reason why we should choose joy. No great surprise that that would be the first one. Christians have experienced a massive change. Massive change. And change means we've come from somewhere to somewhere different. The coal miner, right? He knew what it was not to say hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then when he found Jesus and he found meaning in his life, it changed his life subject to the fact that there was a response. He felt different after and the Bible teaches that while we were sinners, God loved us way back. 
While we were sinners, God sent his son to die on the cross for us. And it teaches us that when we receive him into our hearts and we confess him with our lips and invite him into our lives, we undergo a transformation. And uh, Christian, Christ in, Christ comes in to the void in our life and fills us up to make us complete and to recognise the change has happened. God has restored me. God forgives our sins and gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit and we are no longer the same. We undergo a change. And I know that those are familiar words and concepts, maybe so familiar that the idea doesn't have the impact that it once had. Be encouraged. Here's what joy brings into your life. We are delivered and delivered means we were once captive but the change means we are no longer captive, we are saved and if that doesn't bring joy into your heart, i got nothing else to say. That's the truth of it. If me reminding you this morning of that truth doesn't ignite a passion and a joy, then you need to be on your knees. Early last century, there was a rice farmer who had a farm high on a plain above a fishing village. True story. An earthquake surprised the people in the village late on one afternoon and because earthquakes were common, they soon went back to carry on normal business. The rice farmer was watching. He's standing on the hill, heard the tremor, above the village and he observed the ocean and noticed that the water was dark and different, moving against the wind and running away from the land. And the old man knew what that meant. Today we call it a tsunami. And he wanted to warn the people in the village below. So he called his grandson, get the lantern, hurry. And in the fields behind him lay his crop just harvested of rice that was piled up high in stacks ready for the market. It's worth a fortune. And the old man hurried out to the rice stacks and one at a time he set them on fire. It didn't take long and all of those rice stacks were ablaze, big bonfires. And then he heard the bell that he was hoping for, ringing out in the temple below in the village. People had noticed the fire and as was the culture, when they saw the signal, the whole village would work together. Everybody would be part of putting out the fire. So they began to run up the hill, away from the beach, away from the shore and up the steep cliff. And they came out of the village to support the farmer and to save the crop. They went as fast as they could. And when they got there, they each, I guess, in uh, record, say, I thought this guy was absolutely mad, crazy mad. Because he's just standing 
on the edge of the hill looking out while his crop is burning behind him. And he watched them come as he was staring toward the ocean. They reached his level and the old man shouted at the top of his voice while pointing toward the water, look! And at the edge of the horizon they saw a long thin line, a line that grew thicker as they watched and that line of course was the ocean rising like a wall, getting higher and coming more and more swiftly as they stared. And then came the shock, louder than thunder, a massive wall of water struck the shore fiercely. It sent a shudder up through the valley, tore the homes below into matchsticks. And then the water withdrew and with a roaring sound it returned and smashed through the village several times. One final time it hit and it subsided. And on the hill no one spoke a word for a long time. And finally, the voice of the old man could be heard saying in a quiet voice, that's why I set fire to my rice. His wealth was gone. For the sake of 400 lives, he lived in the village. He's remembered now not for his wealth, but for his sacrifice. He was pretty happy, as he records, with the outcome. He was satisfied that he made a good decision that day. And God's word says that when Jesus is our Lord and Saviour and when we know that we've been delivered or saved and have everlasting life, that is a good reason for joy. That is a great reason to choose to be joyful. We are deeply loved. And a joyful heart is good medicine. To be cheerful because of what you know to be true is a good choice. So knowing we're loved and applying that in our attitude to life is really good for us. But oh, wow, it reflects really so very well upon others who are around us. True? True? Firstly, it's our choice, and that is so important. But when we make that choice, the positivity in the room changes. It's infectious. And then it's great to know that we're in a relationship. So a second element that brings joy to our hearts is to know that becoming a Christian enters us into a relationship. We talk about this a lot as Christians, but what does it mean to know that we can trust God in this relationship? Because every married person I know knows it's difficult in marriage to survive unless there is trust between a husband and wife. And true friendship, every one of us who have friends know that the friendship can be built and if built, probably equals good or great friendship because of the trust that develops. Trust in a relationship is so important. Our relationship with God is anchored in the fact that we can trust God, right? 
but he actually knows what's going on and he's got our stuff. And to know that we're in a relationship with God and that we can trust him actually elevates our confidence. It gives us boldness. It gives us all those attributes that God has sent Jesus to the cross, raised him to new life in resurrection and passed that resurrection power onto his people, those who will trust him. Trust what he says. Trust what he does. Because I believe where trust is present, then peace and contentment is also present. Without trust, not a lot of peace. You see, trust broken, you lose peace, you lose contentment. I'm not sure if you've experienced that in an earthly relationship, in a, in a friendship relationship. When you lose trust, ooh, it's hard to be in that relationship for too much longer. Our Christian life can actually be so meaningful when we take the risk to trust God. To trust God to handle the little things as well as the bigger things. And I want to pause because I want to acknowledge it is a risk to trust God. You've got to get out there. You've got to put it out there. You've got to have faith. You've got to take a step before the hallelujah rises in your spirit and another step to praise God. And as you keep praising and singing out hallelujahs, your confidence builds. I want to acknowledge that it's worth taking that risk. It's worth putting something into the relationship. You know, you can choose not to trust God and your life will reflect it. But show me a person who's trusting God and I'll show you some confidence, some peace, some hope, a spirit that's anointed graciousness and I'll say this Jesus totally wants us to trust him and he wants us to experience the benefits of that trust in Matthew 14 Jesus is spotted walking on the lake of Galilee and I I don't think there's a person in this room or watching online who could say the disciples are not scared Like, what is happening? We're in the midst of a storm. The wind had started blowing pretty hard. They're trying to row against some big waves. They're rowing because it's too windy to have the sail up. The detail in the scriptures, yeah? It's it's too scary to put the sail up and they're rowing for their lives. And when he saw that they were afraid, thinking that he must be a ghost, as it says in Matthew 14, 27, Jesus said, anybody spot it in bold? Take courage. Hey, I'm here. Be courageous. All right, let there be peace in your heart. It is I, so don't be afraid. It's like Jesus is saying, trust me. 
It's a relationship. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I believe there are times when we feel like we're paddling in some big waves. Like I said before, that's true. In each of our lives, there are big waves. There's some scary stuff. And I think the lesson today is to be alert enough, just to be reminded, reminded, but alert enough to hear Jesus saying, you and I, relationship. You and I, we're in this together. It's powerful, isn't it? All right? Because what that uh, extends to is, there's not one thing where he is not with you. Isn't that cool? You can't even imagine something that he is not totally aware of and totally in step with. Well, that's inaccurate. He's way ahead of it, isn't he? But he has the capacity to both be way ahead and right here with you. And he says, I want you to trust me, to take heart, not to be afraid, to choose joy. In John 16, 33, oh, wow. It's a little bit later in the gospel narrative when we see Jesus on the last night in the upper room. He's getting the attention of the disciples. Somewhere in the gospel narrative, you will notice over and over that Jesus gets attention, so he's got something to say. Uh, it's, it probably acknowledges in our humanity that if Jesus just went around, you know, teaching and just doing, you know, repeating what he was saying yesterday and doing it again and again and not really much else ever happening, that people may not have heard the message. But Jesus speaks into the environment. He speaks into the real. Whether it be a storm, whether it be people are hungry, uh, whether it be someone's died, uh, he's there. And in this context, he says, I'm the one that's going to die and I'm going to leave you. And Sophie explained it so well, but they couldn't accept it. That's true. So Jesus looked at them and said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the globe. I have overcome the world. Choose Jesus, choose joy. Because we don't have a lot of control over the circumstances in our lives, but we do have control over our choices. Amen? Things happen that we can't change. It's very frustrating sometimes. And we're not sure what the next few months or years will bring to our homes, our families, to our lives. Maybe some of the bad things we fear will even come to pass. But there is that trust and secure relationship with, which brings peace and stability to our life. And it is 100% dependable. Jesus is always saying, choose me, choose my way, choose joy. 
take heart and come on, smile, because a joyful heart is the best medicine. Is it making sense? And here's my third thing. We're so deeply loved in this relationship. This one is so practical and it's a response. We get the opportunity to serve. Choose joy because we get the opportunity to serve. We have the opportunity to reflect the love of God and the relationship that we have with him to others. Pretty much an accepted fact that the best medicine that could be given to a person who's struggling with um, fatigue or some health issues and particularly mental health issues, even someone dealing with anxiety, a little depressed, it's a known fact that it's good medicine for those people if they have something to do, a contribution they can make. And sometimes, and I say this with great caution and care because it's not an absolute, sometimes uh, the bigger the responsibility that they can cope with, the better chance of restoration they have. Because the more involved we are in functioning, be it volunteering or something that gets our attention, and probably things that are a little bit physical are helpful too, is helping someone else. And the more likely we are to forget our own stuff when we're involved with others and contributing to others. And God has said, here's your opportunity to serve. Share the goodness and share the joy. God knows, doesn't he? Let people know that Jesus is Lord, that he is King of Kings and that he loves them. That he died for them but he rose for them and they can have life. So I'm going to finish with an angel story. It's a good way to finish, eh? So Jesus ascended back into heaven. and When he arrived, Gabriel came, comes up and says, Lord, how'd it go? And Jesus says, yeah, it went really well. I accomplished what I went to do. I went to the cross, died for their sins. And Gabriel asks, but do the people appreciate what you did? Do they even know? And Jesus says, well, some of them do. There's Peter and James and John and a few others. And Gabriel says, well, how about the rest of the world? And Jesus said, well, they'll know too, because here's the plan. I plan for Peter, James and John and Andrew and the rest to tell some others. And uh, when those people hear about it, they'll go and tell someone else. And in turn... When those people hear about it, they'll each tell somebody else. And who knows, the, you know, before too long, really, not very long, if you apply the multiplication factor, everyone's going to know. And Gabriel, knowing the weakness of humans, says, but what if they fail? What if Peter and James and John and Andrew don't tell anybody? Or what if those people don't tell somebody else? And what if they forget the message? And what if they become indifferent or complacent? What's your other plan? Now, you know the answer, don't you? Jesus says, I have no other plan. I have no other plan. 
because that's still God's plan. So do you want an opportunity to serve, to share joy? Because the opportunity is now and tomorrow and the days after. And when we're doing it, our hearts are filled with joy. And maybe the world will never understand, but they'll be impacted by the joy we bring, won't they? Let me pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the fact that there is joy There's joy in the name of Jesus. There's joy in the person of Jesus. There's joy in the truth of Jesus. There's joy when we trust you, Jesus. And we ask, Lord, for confidence and boldness to accompany our joy as we attempt to live out our lives and glorify your holy name. Hallelujah.